ABC. We, we do things uh, called apprentice huddles. And one of the introduction uh, lessons in our discipleship at the church, which by the way, if uh, that interests any of you in the new year, just let us know. We'd love to uh, get you into a discipleship huddle. But one of the key questions is, what is the thing that drives your pace in life? What are the things that drive your rhythms in life? What really dictates when you go to sleep and when you wake up in the morning, uh, when you take a shower, when you go to work or go to school? What are those things that really press in? And you'd say, wow, this is really the most significant. This really drives my rhythm of life. As we've asked this question, the most common answers are kids and work, right? Depending on your life stage and where you're at and if you have kids at home and how old they are and all those kind of things, right? It, it can depend on that and work, what the job is. And, and those aren't bad things. Those are very good things. There was one uh, leader that when I asked the question, what drives the rhythm of your life? She said this. She said, what rhythm? I have no rhythm. I'm just responding to what comes at me during the day, right? Can, can, some, of, can some of you relate to that, right? That we have whole, I would say, uh, whole seasons where we feel out of sync, out of rhythm, and we're not living well. I was thinking about when, um, when Luke, our firstborn, he, when he was born, we thought we were ready, you know, we had the, the room ready and all of that. It, we weren't, it, for like six months, we were just out of rhythm. We just, just, just trying to figure out what was going on. We have those, those seasons in life that we're, we're out of sync, we're out of rhythm, don't know. There are some Christian traditions, especially contemplative traditions, that have said uh, rhythms of life can be one of the biggest factors in our relationship with God. In fact, they have a, a thing, a, a phrase that I really like that we're talking about. They would use the idea of sacred rhythms. That, to, that if we're really striving to live an abundant life, the life that Jesus created us for, if, if we're seeking to live in God's kingdom. In, in such a way that we're, we're living that meaningful and fulfilling life, sacred rhythms, the rhythms that we live our lives by can, make, can be the secret sauce to abundant life. And in fact, many of those same traditions, those contemplative traditions would say, not only can those be huge, but because Jesus perfectly modeled the rhythms, the sacred rhythms of life. This was uh, introduced to me a, a number of years ago and I've wrestled through that and, and prayed through that. And uh, one of the things was read scripture, especially the gospels and looked at Jesus' life 
and said, does he really have these sacred rhythms that even though he lived 2,000 years ago, even though um, he was very different in terms of his calling to most of us, right, in relationships, are, are there these sacred rhythms that we could see modeled by Jesus Christ that he wants us to step into, that he wants us to live to, to think about and incorporate those sacred rhythms into our lives and allow those sacred rhythms to transform who we are and who we're becoming and Christ's work in our life. And I have been, it's been really a, a discovery process of seeing three what I'd call aspects of rhythm in Jesus' life that can play huge, have been, I I'm, have a lot to learn and grow in, but learning to incorporate these sacred rhythms into my life. And, and slowly but surely, I'm learning to step away from the life that the rhythms that have been unhealthy and I've been caught in and, and not leading to an abundant life and embrace and incorporate these three aspects of rhythm that have been life-giving. You want to know what those are? Sure. Uh, how about next week? Next year, we'll share. No, 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 no. Let's, in fact, let's turn to Scripture because I, I think it's modeled at the very beginning of Jesus' life and ministry. And we're just going to look at the beginning here and talk about these three aspects. But then as we read the Gospels, hopefully we'll be doing that in 2019, see how these three aspects were really consistent and in rhythm, became sacred rhythms of love and life for Jesus and are for us as well. I'm reading from the very beginning, Mark 1, chapter 1, and I think you see these three aspects just in a little way in these few verses. This is before Jesus was fully into his ministry. In fact, he was transitioning from being a carpenter right into ministry. He had called some of his disciples, not appointed all 12 to be apostles. So they're right in this key moment, Mark chapter 1. Look at verse 35 of Mark 1. It says this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. See, Jesus had started to teach and preach authoritatively. He started to do miracles. So not only was his close disciples wanting to be with him, but the crowds were wanting to be with him. Verse 38, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. This is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. I want to suggest in this just little window 
uh, of Scripture that we see these three crucial aspects that Jesus had. And I, I'm assuming that he had these three aspects when he was living as a carpenter. That he was learning these rhythms prior to his public ministry. And he carried on these rhythms. Perhaps they look in a slightly different way when he was into his ministry. And these three rhythms, I, uh, I was able, this is not, uh, I can't usually do this, but I was able to do an ABC. No extra charge for that, but I, I did work hard. The ABCs of rhythm so that we might remember these three aspects because I think they're going to be crucial for us moving forward. One is A, that we see right away that he was abiding with the Lord. He was abiding, he was connecting with the Father, that, that I would say, many folks would say, this was the secret sauce of Jesus' life and ministry. Um, and an author wrote this. Um, he wrote this. It was Jesus' rich life of quiet prayer and tender intimacy with Abba that was the source of his love and wisdom and power. His ministry was an overflow of his oneness with the Father. In other words, he's saying, if you want to live a life of love that Jesus did, then you need to abide in Christ. That's what he tells us. Jesus was abiding in the Father, modeling that for us. And he says, if you want to share in this love, the, the love that flows out of his life, you have to abide in the Lord. If you want to share in the wisdom and the discernment of the Father, how many of us would like to walk in the wisdom of God? Would that, yes? Yeah. There is a secret to that wisdom. You're connecting with the Father on a regular basis. You're, you're being with the Father, praying and reading his divine scriptures. How many of us want to plug into the power of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. A few? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. yeah? The secret is you're keeping in step with the Spirit. There is this abiding, this remaining, this living into, and we see that Jesus throughout at the very beginning of his ministry all through. In fact, later, Luke tells us this wasn't just a, a, an occasional thing that Jesus did. Luke 5, 16 says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I think we have that scripture, Irene, Luke 5, 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and play, prayed. It, we see this dynamic where Jesus was doing, and, and I want to suggest this. I, I think that many of these three aspects that, that Jesus is going to model I would suggest that most of us have all three of these aspects in our lives. We're not going to go, oh, I never thought of that. What the key for this was is that we were allowing these aspects 
to be incorporated in rhythm in our lives, okay? Each aspect. So in terms of abiding with the Lord, if you look at, I'll talk a little bit more about this next week, we see both a personal connection with the Lord and we see a corporate connection with the Lord. We see a daily connection with the Lord and we see a weekly or a, a, a seasonal connection with the Lord. And so Jesus was abiding in such a way that there was this deep personal connection and it drove his ministry. It drove his love, his wisdom, the spiritual power in which he lived his life. And yet that was not the only rhythm. There was a rhythm of corporate connection and abiding with the Lord. Daily, we see that. But look at this weekly. Um, uh, this is Mark 1.21. It says, They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The synagogue and the Sabbath was Jesus' weekly worship and, and rhythm of worship. He wasn't just finding lonely, lonely places and connecting with the Lord, but he was connecting in this corporate sense of worship. And you know what Jesus was doing in the synagogue? He was doing what we do in church. That was his church. There was a dynamic of corporate worship that Jesus couldn't get on his own. There was a dynamic of the, the preaching and teaching of God's word that Jesus could not get on his own. There was a dynamic of sacred community that was there that Jesus could not get on his own. And so we see a rhythm of Jesus' life. Yes, he's abiding in the Father, but it's not just individual. Do you know how many times the word synagogue is mentioned in the Gospels? I don't either. I didn't want to count them up, but it's a lot. Yeah. All right? It was almost like it was a rather regular weekly connection that the Lord had, Jesus had, not just with the Father, but with the community of faith. We're going to talk a lot more about this in a couple of weeks. But I want to suggest that we've lost this dynamic within the American church culture, haven't we? Now, I'm a huge believer in uh, listening to messages online, and, and that can be all thing, a very good thing, Right? But to actually be in worship with a body of Christ on a regular weekly rhythm, we're missing that. We're missing that. When we go on vacation as a family or when Kendra and I get away, I'm not legalistic about it, but oftentimes, if I can, I'll find a place of worship. I'll find a church. In part is because if I miss that rhythm, I feel out of sync. 
It's become part, I want to sing, even if the the church service isn't singing the songs that I know, even if it's, even if the, if the message isn't awesome or whatever, I just, I, I like to be in that rhythm of connecting with others and living in there, as well as incorporating the daily connect. So hold on to that idea. You've got one, you've got this abiding with the Lord. That is one rhythm that we see Jesus doing. He lived his life abiding individually, connecting daily with God, and then also connecting corporately with God within a people. Um, Oh, I wanted to say one more thing about the prayer vigil. I'm gonna hold on to that and save that for the end, okay? All right. The second one, the second, um, which is B, is another aspect of Jesus' life is we see a balance of work, work and ministry, work or ministry, and rest and restoration. Reen, go to the, the next screen there. A balance of work and rest, a balance of ministry and restoration. Our Mark passage in 138, he was saying, yeah, this is, this is why I've come. I have come to advance the kingdom of God. Did you know this was not just Jesus' calling, but this was also the apostles' calling? Did you know that also it's your calling and my calling. Whether Jesus was advancing the kingdom of God as a carpenter or as a preacher, he was still advancing the kingdom of God. He was doing, he was working in such a way that was centered on kingdom advancement. When he tells the the 12 to go out, um, he, he was modeling first. It says, Jesus... Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the 12 to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them over, uh, gave them authority over impure spirits. What he was doing is he's saying, you have a calling to advance the kingdom of God. The apostles had a particular context in which they were called to advance the kingdom of God. You and I have a particular calling to the, advance the kingdom of of God. Some of us, like myself, it's full-time ministry. Some of us is a job in secular, but still called to advance the kingdom in there. Even if for some of us are retired, even if we're, there's the idea of a fruitful work that he calls us to, that regardless of where we're at in our life, that should be a regular rhythm that we're being fruitful and productive in our lives with Christ. Did you know, we're going to talk more about this in weeks to come, but I just wanted to make a few points here. Did you know that you and I were created for work? Do you know that? Not toil. Not a kind of work that sucks the life out of us. Right? That's part of the curse. Part of the curse of Adam when they fell. 
right? It says, and now you're going to, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to deal with the soil. It's hard. But, but part of the creation mandate, before the fall, Adam and Eve were called to be stewards of all creation. They didn't, as uh, Marilyn Henney likes to say, they weren't called to sit on couches and eat bonbons, right? We weren't called to, to, to play video games. We, we were called to be productive. We were called to work and join God in what he was doing. Whether I was, there's time I spent working in social services and I spent that time going, God, how do you want me to use, how do you want to use me in the context of this social service agency? How do I advance the kingdom in the lives of my coworkers, in the lives of the people that I'm serving? How are you using me in this way? Let me ask you this question. Do you think that Jesus had a pretty good work ethic? I'm going to go with a yes. Do you think work or ministry was a part of his sacred rhythms? Yes. All right. Let me ask you this. Do you think Jesus had a pretty good rest ethic? Oh, some of there's some diversity there. All right. Absolutely did Jesus have. Now remember I said to live in these takes a rhythm of life in both of those. What Jesus had that many of us miss is he had this beautiful work ethic and at the same time he had this beautiful ethic of rest and renewal. In fact, he takes tons of criticism for his practice of the Sabbath. So there's been a de-emphasizing of Sabbath in the church. And yet we see Jesus indeed practice Sabbath. And he invited his apostles to do the same. Look at the next scripture that we have for you, Mark 6.31. He sends his apostles out. They're doing ministry, 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 ministry. And then he says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus didn't have this ridiculous work ethic. Jesus was not a workaholic. Jesus had this, he was living into the stewardship of all things. He was living in this healthy rhythm of work and rest. You see, most of these rhythms we have in our lives, the problem where we're missing it is when they get out of and one rhythm takes over our lives. And we're not living in rhythm. In fact, the, the, the church that I served as an intern had what I would say an unhealthy rhythm. The, the, the average pastor uh, works about 55 hours a week, and these pastors were working 65 hours a week. Now, they're doing great ministry. I have great respect, and they were mentors. They still are. Love them to death. 
But they had no ethic of rest. No ethic of restoration and renewal. I shouldn't say no ethic. I should be fair to them. They need to grow, and I believe they have. Grow in that ethic. You see the rhythm of connection with the Father, both individually and corporately. You see the rhythm of balance of work, fruitful work or ministry, and rest and renewal. More on that in a couple weeks, okay? Here's the final one, the C. Can you guess what it is? Is it making sense? A, abiding with the Father. B, a balance of work and rest. The third rhythm You can also just look at your bulletin. It's right there in front of you. But it's going to make sense to you. Connection in community. You see, these were the values. These were the three values that I believe are true, that we've been built for, right? That we have been built to connect with God, both individually and corporately. That's how he designed us. He's our creator. An abundant life is lived in fellowship and community with God, individually and corporately. A life of abundance, kingdom life, is lived not sitting on the couch eating bonbons, but being fruitful, serving, joining God in what he's doing in the advancement and the restoration of all things and yet being resting and renewing and being restored in the midst of that. And then the third priority for Jesus was connection in community. Jesus was not a lone ranger. He didn't do his complete ministry by himself and look at me. At the heart of Jesus' life and ministry was people, was sacred friendships, was sacred community. He didn't, and he didn't just invite the apostles when it was time to minister, right? He actually shared his life with them. He entered into their lives. He entered into their homes. He knew their parents. He knew their children. Just a little bit before in Mark 1 says this, as soon as they left the synagogue, practicing that sacred rhythm of of corporate worship, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Jesus enters and is in the home of his apostles. Simon's mother-in-law was in there with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That would be convenient to have Jesus in your home, wouldn't it? He, He writes all things. He corrects all things. Jesus was entering in the lives. There were times when, yes, the crowds, as we saw in Mark 1, they wanted to spend time with Jesus. And Jesus often would say, listen, you 12, we need to get some time alone and I'll unpack the parable. I'll, I'll teach it at a deeper level. Let, let's go to this, the, the greater disciples. There were times in Martha and Mary's home where he's entering in and he's building, he's prioritizing these sacred relationships. And I would say that many of us are good at that. Many of us, that's part of our rhythm. 
the other side of this rhythm we're not good at. We see that Jesus intentionally, strategically, part of the rhythm of his life, came close to those who were far from God as well. That he prioritized those, not the apostles, not the the 72, and even sometimes not even the crowd, even though that's the main avenue, that he prioritized. Yes, he prioritized connection with the Father, prioritized work and, and, and rest, prioritized people, but not just those close to him and the Father, but also those who were far from, him, from the Father. One of my favorite stories is how Jesus commits a social faux pas and he invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Right in the middle, it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Right? I've tried that with non-Christians. It really doesn't go over so well. I'm working on that. But he, we see throughout his life this, this pacing that he is very intentional with the spirit of connecting with those who are far from God. He prioritizes people. He prioritizes sacred friendships. But he's also prioritizing those who are far from God. This year, we've been doing a little bit of an experiment, um, 2018, with a different way that we've been trying to live in community. Um, most churches that you come to, they're going to encourage small groups, small groups, small groups. And we've done that for for several years. This is the first year that we've been encouraging uh, something a little bit different that we're calling Kingdom Life Communities. And the reason why we moved to Kingdom Life Communities is the small groups were not doing what we really longed for them to do in a number of ways. So we, we've been praying about what would it look like if rather than we just had a, a small group of, of six to 12 people maybe gathering in homes, if we tried to do a little bit of an early church, of a church fellowship of, uh, of maybe between 15 and 30 folks, And we invited and we lived in a rhythm of sacred community that looked a little bit different than what we're used to, okay? So we said, what if we invited in this community, this kingdom life community, we got into a rhythm of in, which was fellowship, building relationships with one another, potlucks, up, where there was time that we worshiped the Lord and had some teaching, but in a different way than a Sunday morning, in a way that we could actually pray for one another, in a way that we could operate in the presence and the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that on Sunday mornings it's hard to when we have a bigger crowd. And then the third dynamic of out, what if we were able to say, hey, One time over a 12-week period, we want to serve those who are far from God. 
going to connect with those in some way, bless neighborhood, community, whatever that is, that in, up, and out dynamic. And I bring this up because we're going to be connecting in this way in this new year. And you're going to be hearing a lot more about this. Real quick, I want to invite Veda Riley up. And Veda was one of the early adopters, her and her husband, Paul. And they had a Kingdom Life community in their house. And they said, okay, Eric, we're not exactly sure what this looks like. And I said, Neither do I, but we're going to try it. And we and she led one of four Kingdom Life communities that we did in 2018, all right? And I'll ask Veda, of the up, in, and out type rhythm, which was your favorite one? Um, of course. Oh, do we have this on, David? Hello. There yeah. we go. Of course, I would have to say up. Uh-huh. Um, I really loved the time of worship. We had uh, Natalie Jensen. Sorry. <laughs> we had Natalie Jensen uh, lead us in worship, and it was a time of worship and prayer and praise. And we allowed plenty of room for Holy Spirit. Mm. And the beautiful thing was when you have two or three small groups come together, everyone's gifted in different ways and has different passions. And so when you allow room for the spirit, mm. the different gifts show. Uh, mm -hmm. There's people that have great gifts for teaching. Mm -hmm. When in a small group, you're leading the small group out of not really obligation, but you feel like, well, gosh, I lead at work or whatever, but maybe you don't have the gift of teaching. Mm. And so we have incredible teaching in our Kingdom Life community. We have worship. We allow time for prayer and ministry. We pray for one another. Uh, we have corporate prayer. It's just a beautiful time, mm -hmm. but I really like all three. Yeah. I love the fellowship. Yeah. I love the, the outreach. Our group did the, the soup kitchen. Okay. And then we've also reached out to several of the single mom families, women of grace. Yeah. And a lot of the men in our uh, kingdom life community are going to do handyman things mm -hmm. and really helping them out where they can. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Our kingdom life group, one of the things that our, we just have very social people. Mm -hmm. And so their <laughs> love was the in when we just did uh, potlucks uh, together between 15 and 30 people. Oftentimes we had 25 people that were gathered together and it was a way to get to know others mm -hmm. in our community of faith and grow in that. Um, so different dynamics. Just real quick, Veda, what was a little bit, since this first time many people are hearing of it, what was different from your small group experience compared to your Kingdom Life community experience? Um. I've been in small groups uh, since we came to the church 16 and a half years ago. And small groups are wonderful, and some of our original small group people are here. Um, but you have, you know, you kind of get used to things, and it's the way you've always done things. Mm -hmm. So when you have different small groups come together, everyone, I, I don't know, there's just a different dynamic. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's different... Um, different everything and there's kind of a freshness mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. or excitement you know meeting new people and coming together in community I would say that was very similar uh, been in a, a small group a kingdom life group and it's been good 
but part of the dynamic of the Kingdom Life Group, just because there's more people, mm -hmm. it was able, I was able to connect at a deeper level with more people than just the, the eight or 10 that was in our small group, plus incorporating the dynamics of worship. Right. I, I love worshiping, that's one of my passions. In a group of eight, mm -hmm. it's a little bit awkward. We've had some of the most powerful worship times when we had uh, 28 people in our house. Yeah. And my husband and I look at each other. We're not sure how we got 28 people in our house, but we did. And uh -huh. it was glorious. And yeah. that was the first group that you led. Yeah. And uh, just the singing. I mean, no one was afraid to sing because there were so many people. You don't have to worry about if you couldn't sing or because I cannot, but I sang. I just made a joyful yeah. noise. Yeah. But it was glorious. And just such yeah. a beautiful presence of the spirit that comes when there's people worshiping mm -hmm. and just seeking. Awesome. Yeah. So we, uh, we have four Kingdom Life communities that we had in 2018. And we're going to start again in, in January, uh, mid-January. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that we might have five, but all four have some room to grow. Not yes. a lot, but some room to grow. Mm -hmm. And I would just ask you, it's helped me live in that healthy rhythm of mm -hmm. sacred friendships and mm -hmm. sacred community, as yeah. well as serving others mm -hmm. that are far from God. Would you pray about the possibility of, of joining a kingdom life community um, in the mid-January and in trying, we're, we're asking for a commitment of 12 weeks. You'll hear more about the details, but would you simply pray uh, about entering into a, a sacred community, kingdom life community? All right, yeah. before I let you go, Veda, she's been... Um, really initiating this prayer vigil um, that's happening this coming Saturday. Yes. What's the most important thing for people to, to hear about? Well, I'm going to take just a minute. Okay. okay. All right. I told her <laughs> okay. I'd give her a minute yes. or two. Two, maybe. Okay. So if, if I just want you all to close your eyes and I want you, I want to kind of lead you through something. So if you close your eyes and just imagine you're coming for the prayer vigil. And as you enter into the doors in the front, you notice something's different. And you're led to take your shoes off before you enter the worship center because you sense that you're, you're heading into holy ground. As you enter in, you notice that there's a prayer wall that has people's heart cry prayers, maybe a heart cry praise, a testimony of something you've been contending for, for so long and God has answered. And those cards are up there on the prayer wall and people are praising and celebrating. They're, they're contending for those people that still need healing or breakthrough in an area of their life. And then as you pan through this, the worship center, you notice that there's, there's a place where we're praying for our church family. You see maybe pictures of the staff and the leaders of the church. You see a beacon on a hill as has been prophesied over our church, that we're a beacon of light and hope in the city. So you notice that, and you see you're drawn to it on how you can pray for your church family. And then as you look across, you see that, gosh, there's a family tree, and there's a map of the city. How can I pray for my community? What is God's heart for my community? 
And then as you look further over, you see that there's a station where we're praying for the nations of the world mm -hmm. and the persecuted Christians, but also their persecutors, that they would come to know Jesus. Even in mid-murderous motion, they would be stopped and have a road mm -hmm. to Damascus experience. Mm -hmm. And then you notice like a tent of meeting. And it's a place where you would enter in just like Moses did with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And a place where you rend your heart before the Lord. He convicts your heart of things that, you know, he really doesn't want you to carry. Mm -hmm. And he really wants you to turn away from those things because he has so much more for you. Mm -hmm. And in that tent is a time of convicting of hearts and just writing those things down and making your business with the Lord and shredding them up because it's old news. And then entering in a time of communion, just you and God. And then as you are leaving the worship center, you notice that there's an art station where you can, um, you can use your creative gifts to draw what you've just experienced or maybe write a scripture that the Lord revealed to you. Whatever your experience was as you entered in holding Jesus' hand through these different stations. Mm -hmm. And... I just think that if you come expecting that maybe you can pray for five minutes, you'll realize that you've been here for over an hour. And you've just experienced God in such a deep and profound way that you never knew him before. Mm -hmm. So I want to personally invite each one of you to come and begin mm -hmm. again and see what God has for you as you partner with him for the things on God's heart for our church, for our community, for the world, and for you personally in the tent of meeting. So, Amen. Thank you, thank you Veda. God <laughs> bless you. Thank you. All right. Can we celebrate Veda? Just, she's really... Would that be an awesome way to start 2019? Right? Now, I... Would you think about... The whole message, and I believe that this message could be revolutionary for our lives. Can you imagine getting to the end of 2019 and being able to share with a friend, you know, I lived the same sacred rhythms in my life in 2019 that Jesus did. <laughs> Can you imagine the the power and the impact. If we were valuing abiding with the Father, balance of work and rest, and, and, and connection with community, both sacred friendships and those who are far from God, can you imagine if we lived life in those sacred rhythms, how different 2019 would be? I want to suggest from all the other years that we've lived those sacred rhythms, and not just one or two of them, but in a rhythm way where we were finding God's mercy and grace in each of those rhythms. Would that be incredible? Do you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we want to invite you. What is that one aspect of life that either has been out of balance, for some of us work is out of balance, 
Or maybe we, we don't have, we haven't incorporated it all in our lives. Maybe we've, we don't connect with you personally at all. Lord, would you help us to live life in abundance, kingdom life? Holy Spirit, in these remaining days of 2018, would you speak to us about the life you're calling us to live? Would you speak to us about our rhythms of life? Lord, would you help us in just a little bit more, a different way? Would you help us to step into these sacred rhythms that you've modeled so brilliantly and perfectly for us that are as true today as they were 2,000 years ago, Lord Jesus? We pray all this in your precious name. Amen. Can we please stand and respond in worship and in prayer?